Cast. It's not about the corner office. It's not about the fancy title. It's not even about the extra money. Responsible leadership is about taking care of those who choose to follow you, and that care takes on many forms. This podcast is dedicated to bringing you the best guests with the best advice to help you succeed in that endeavor. The Responsible Leadership Podcast is a production of The Leadership Phalanx. To find out more about me and what I do, visit leadershipphalanx.com. That's leadership, P-H-A-L-A-N-X.com. And now, on to today's show. Well, all right, folks. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Responsible Leadership Podcast. I've got an outstanding guest for you all today, Laura Noel. Laura, thanks for being with us. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, no, this is going to be a fantastic conversation. I've, I've uh, done my due diligence for for the listeners and, and I cannot wait to hear what we're about to get into over this next 40, 45 minutes. But listeners, here's what you need to know about Laura. You know, if you're like most high-performing leaders, you're tired of being pulled in multiple directions with zero time left for yourself. As a certified Proctor Gallagher coach and 27-year military leader, Laura helps high performers live empowered, fulfilling lives, all while achieving their highest potential. She helps leaders focus on what really matters so they can stop feeling out of control, become more effective with their time, and spend more time discovering and doing what they love. Laura, I love that. I love that description. I love that mission. And it just makes me excited to hear how you answer that first question that I start all of my guests with. When you hear the words responsible leadership, what do they mean to you? I feel first we have to take responsibility for leading ourselves before we can lead and attempt to lead anyone else. We have to have command of self under any circumstance. So I think that's the first part of being a responsible leader. Um, and I also feel that taking care of people, I, I think making others feel important. And that doesn't mean that you're not providing feedback or um giving people an opportunity to improve. That's quite the contrary. When you make somebody feel important, you're taking the time and giving them that gift so that they can grow and develop themselves as responsible leaders as well. So, you know, responsibility for self, but you're also tasked with responsibility for others and and people are counting on you and it's your responsibility as a leader to lead and, and and guide people. Yeah, no, I I like that answer a lot. And uh, you know, as I mentioned, your your service there. Uh, you know, thank you very much for your service. I really appreciate. Uh, you know, twenty seven years. I I only pulled out a a, a a single enlistment there, so I've got a whole level of respect for somebody that does twenty seven years. Oh well, thank you, and thank you so much for your service as well. Yeah, no, it was it was a pleasure. But, you know, you, you said something there, um, you know, about the responsibilities uh, to yourself and the responsibilities of helping others become uh, responsible leaders. Now, uh, you if I read uh, your background correctly, you spent some time as 
uh, a commandant of a leadership academy. Now, was that with the Air Force, right? That was, yes. Okay. So, yeah. So, talk about that a little bit. Like, what what did that position uh, help you with? Mm. Well, I I loved that role, that position that I was serving in. Um, We had a a team of nine instructors who worked in the schoolhouse and we would teach first line and second line supervisors different leadership skills. And a lot of that was what, and this is where the leadership of self comes into play. And I was really proud to be a part of this and really proud of the Air Force to um, have taken the time and the initiative to incorporate that experiential kind of learning where you're learning about yourself. How, how am I leading? How am I coming across to other people? How does it feel being led by me? And in the curriculum, leaders were getting feedback on how they led. I mean, sometimes when individuals are growing up through the ranks and they're coming into the schoolhouse for the first time and they're about to become leaders or supervisors officially, they may not have had much experience training others or leading. So they don't really have that feedback mechanism yet. And so this was a great place for people to kind of be introduced to themselves as uh, leaders. Um, And it was very rewarding. It was, it was a rewarding job. It was rewarding in, in the fact that we also brought in our sister services into our organization and into our curriculum and into our schoolhouse. And we also had the opportunity to bring in individuals and enlisted people from other countries and they participated in our curriculum. So it was, I mean, it was a highlight in my career for sure. Yeah, no, I, (laughs) I like that. And I can imagine, you know, I I bet that was because uh, you know, went to you know a couple of schoolhouses there that were were joint training command types. Uh, Keesler Air Force Base, as a matter of fact, was mm-hmm. uh, where I did my my primary training, and and we had folks from all around. But you know, you hit on something there that I think is really what what sets the military apart from a lot of organizations is you know that that emphasis on leadership training. And I'm really kind of curious now that you've been out for for a little bit and and have had. Uh, a lot more exposure to, you know, kind of uh, civilian leadership programs. The one thing that I've noticed is a lot of times organizations wait way too long to start developing leadership skills. You know, they wait until somebody's getting ready uh, to be promoted or is already promoted into that management supervisor role to start building those skills out. And, and the military, uh, at least in the Marines, and I, I'm, I'm assuming, you know, fairly acquainted with the Air Force, you all did the same thing. Mm-hmm. It was it was continuous. Like from day one of boot camp, you started building those skills and and ramping it up as you develop through your career, Right. 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 You know, I think a big thing that's ingrained in us is that we are a part of something much larger than ourselves. And that's really drilled into us from boot camp, from our first days um, in the service. And it, it kind of lends itself to having this just immense respect and a level of feeling responsible, not just for ourselves, but for the team. So that team aspect of the work is instilled in us from a very early stage in our careers. I don't know that that happens in in corporations as much, unless culture is an important aspect 
of the organization. And then they start bringing in people and, and, and enveloping them into their culture, whatever their values are, and really defining those values. But I don't see that everywhere. That's unusual. Yeah, sadly, sadly it is. There's yeah. there's a piece of research I've, I've cited on here several times, and I'm sure my listeners can probably quote it as well as, as, as I can by now, but um, it was done, I want to say in 2014, and the title of, of the, the article written around it was, We Wait Too Long to Train Our Leaders. And it was a global study, and I want to say they had somewhere uh, twelve to 18,000 respondents is, is the number sticking in my head. I know that's kind of a wide gap there. Uh, but the, the gist of it was, is the average age that somebody is promoted into their first formal leadership role, uh, was somewhere in their early thirties, 32, 34. Mm -hmm. And then the average age they receive their first training is in their early forties, somewhere around 44 years. That's a 10 year gap of where you're doing nothing but like on the job training and you're learning from people who really haven't had a lot of leadership development. So it's, it's a lot of blind leaning the blind yeah. uh, in those situations. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure you probably ran into undoing a lot of that uh, in, in your efforts, haven't you? Oh yeah. And, you know, and that's why it's so important in my opinion is to start with leadership of self, because there are so many things underneath the surface that, motivate us to lead in the way that we do. And a lot of it has to do with how we're brought up, um, the leaders that we've had the experience of working with, um, you know, our paradigms, our belief systems, but oftentimes we're not aware that those paradigms and those beliefs are running the show and, and dictating on a subconscious level how we react to certain situations and individuals. So there aren't a lot of people out there who have the innate ability to draw out knowledge and wisdom from, from others. It, it's, it's a, it can be a learned skill. I mean, there are definitely talented people out there, but these skills can be learned where you're, leveraging the talents of other people, where you're listening to all of the voices. Collectively, you know, you can bring your organization to a higher level, a much more effective level when you're you're doing that. But what I've seen is leaders out there not getting the support or the training that they need until much later. And so then you have toxic leadership or you have um, this competition between departments or people within a certain department and they're not collaborating they they're not really skilled at creating that more or less that collaborative environment and you can have that no matter what the the structure is in your organization yeah you know and and i and yes a hundred percent i'm sitting over here preach because uh, <laughs> i'm loving everything that you're saying because it's so true and and i think the the big thing about it is is a lot of organizations you know, feel kind of overwhelmed with that process. Uh, you know, I mean, let's be honest, we, we, we aren't cheap to bring into organizations, you know, folks like you and I who come in and implement development programs and coaching strategies and all that, but, you know, we're, we're worth the time and investment. But if you're an organization that doesn't have that in the budget, but I will say this right now, you should, you, you mm -hmm. can't afford to not have this type of development in your organization. There's a lot of resources out there like, you know, 
this podcast. I've had several people uh, with podcasts on here that I list on my page because these are all great resources. And and I want to you know talk a little bit real quick because I think you've got a great podcast that a lot of people uh, should be subscribing to. And I love the name of it, Rat Race <laughs> Reboot. Uh, so let's let's talk about that for a second. Like like how did you get into that? How did you come up with that name? Let's start there. Yeah. <laughs> so entrepreneurs, people in leadership roles, C-suite individuals, I, I mean, they, the people I talk to are in the grind day in and day out, and they feel like the weight of the world is on their shoulders. And they might love the work that they're doing, but they're in it all the time. And it doesn't leave them a lot of latitude to really enjoy every aspect of their life. They're just dealing with competing demands from other people, stakeholders, colleagues, and it, it just really takes a toll and it can lead to burnout. And that's why it's so important to do things that will help you get out of the rat race. And it's interesting because I was just having this conversation on my podcast earlier um, about different ways of decision making and bringing a diverse set of ideas and creativity to the table so that you can move farther faster more effectively in less time but oftentimes when we're learning to implement decision making processes or we're learning how to think in a different way one it can feel awkward and clunky at first because we're not going into our default way of leading um, and two, it can take a little bit more time initially upfront because you're learning a new skill. But once you have that ironed out, that's when, you know, you're moving beyond your individual level of awareness, right? We'll only take us as far as our individual level of awareness will take us. But we need to leverage other people so that the weight of the world isn't on our shoulders, you know, and, and so that you know, I love what's the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting yep. a different result. And that's what it's like Groundhog Day. That's how we stay in the rat race when we're doing the same things, working harder than ever. But it's it's we're moving laterally a lot of the times. And so that's why it's so essential. Rat race reboot is the idea of slowing down so you can think slowing down so you can speed up. Yeah. No, I, and, oh, I love the way you said that, that the slowing down so we could speed up. And I know you've, you know, you've heard the, the, the old saying that, uh, um, uh, uh, slow is smooth and smooth is fast, right? Mm, yep. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. But, but, you know, again, and you, you hit on something that's extremely valuable there too. And I really want listeners to, to hear this piece, right? Is, is that, that I like that rat race reboot and, and changing the way we think about things. Uh, but it's something that has to be sustainable. It has to be something it has to be something that is part of the organization permanently going forward. Because mm -hmm. you know it, it does no good to bring you know Laura in uh, and and have us do have her do her magic and get everything great, and then you revert back to those old habits. You, you have to commit <laughs> to that change, right? Uh, and I was just thinking the same thing when you were talking earlier about. You know, hey, it's not inexpensive to bring consultants into organizations and do trainings and workshops. But where people fall short, where organizations fall short, is they think that it's a quick fix and they're not taking responsibility. They're thinking that they're going to hire somebody who's going to fix their people. But 
your organization is poised to operate and get the results that it's getting right now because you're creating those results. So it's not that the organization is broken or that the people in the organization are broken. It's that you're getting the results that you're getting because your organization is perfectly aligned to get those results. And in order to, to create something different, in order to create more ease and flow, uh, more collaboration, more creativity, more revenues, you have to think in a different way and you have to embed this way of thinking in your culture. So you're right, you know, I, I'm not going to come into an organization and teach a workshop. Maybe some people will have ahas in the workshop, but then I leave and then what? So yeah. there has to be a mechanism, something in place to where, hey, our new culture, you know, I, I mean, I am joyful, connected, prosperous, healthy, and free. I just read that on my screensaver on my my computer because those are part of my core values in my business and in my life. And so these are front and center in my mind. So when my screensaver goes off, they're right there. It's always a reminder. So as an organization, you need to decide how do we want to operate? What do we want to accomplish together? And and importantly, how do we want to feel when we're doing this work? Do we want to feel like we're haggard and beat down or do we want to do it joyfully and feel connected? And do we want to feel free and like we can really lean in on our creativity and, and expand that? Yeah, no, that is beautiful what you just said there. And, and uh, you know, you kind of brushed up against it a little bit there, but I'm kind of curious because you you hit the nail on the head there, right? A lot of organizations, they're kind of in this rut. They've got a lot of these habits and a lot of these habits are, are non-productive. And not only are they non-productive, but in a lot of instances, they're counterproductive. How do you get people to kind of break those habits of, of non-productivity, counterproductivity and, and move into, you know, kind of that higher potential growth zone that you talk about? Mm-hmm. Well, first, you have to be willing to think in a different way. And I'll, I'll give you a recent example. I was talking to a couple of business owners who love their work, but they are exhausted. One, go, it's a couple. The spouse goes in early in the morning to the afternoon and the other comes in in the afternoon into the late evening. They have a team, but they feel like they they can't leave their organization, that customers and clients are always looking for them. And, you know, there may be some truth to that, but they can they can bring up people who can be just as fabulous in that role in serving clients as them. But at first, they need to be willing to accept that that, that idea is possible for them. They have to be willing to accept okay, all right, I, I, I want to believe that I can have my freedom and my business can prosper and that the right team members are looking for me just as I am looking for them. So it starts there, a willingness. You have to be willing and able to really move toward that ideal. Then as an organization, you have to take the next step and make a committed decision toward creating a goal. So create a goal. I'm going to hire three team members and I'm going to work X amount of hours and our revenues are not going to dip. Actually, speaking in positive, affirmative language, we're going to double our <laughs> our production. And so that's the star you're shooting for. 
So you're willing and able, you make a committed decision and you set a goal. And then you have to infuse this into your culture. It has to be in front of your face. You have to be talking about it. All of your mini goals have to be in that direction. You have to, if, if it's not moving in that direction toward that goal that you're setting for yourself, then you need to not diffuse your energy. Focus on what's most important. Do the main thing. Yeah. Uh, and again, I, I love that. And it, it, as you were talking there, it, it really, uh, like the old image of, of Sisyphus, you know, trying to roll the boulder uphill all the time is uh, kind of popped into my head because that's, that's what I experience, right? Is yeah. A lot of organizations, they think that they can do this by just sheer grit, sheer determination. If I push harder, I'm, I'm going to get through this. And, and you have to be a little bit smarter about it, don't you? Uh, yeah. You know, and I mean, I did well in my career and I'm one of those people who used grit to get to the top of my, my career when I was in the service. Uh, I was burnt out. I was miserable on the inside from the outside looking in. It looked like I had it all together, like I should be happy and, and joyful, but inside I wasn't. I was exhausted um, and I wasn't feeling fulfilled either. And so it wasn't until I started to really put this this work to work and kind of shifted my mindset a bit. Grit, you, you can do well with grit, but there's going to be a limit to how far you can go with sheer grit. I love that one of my mentors, he would always say mental activity does not constitute thinking. Mm. So it's always better to take the path of least resistance. And I've, oh my God, it's been so long since I've, I've said that phrase, the path of least resistance. That phrase used to conjure up like ugh, shivers down my spine as if the path of least resistance is being lazy, but that's not true. The path of least resistance toward getting to your goal is not the grit, it's in thinking. And I'm telling you in thinking and thinking in a different way and leveraging the talents of other people, listening to your intuition and letting that guide you, that's more difficult than grit, but the payoff is huge. Yeah. No, that, that is power. I like that. How did that go again? Uh, mental activity does not equal thinking. Mental activity does not constitute thinking. And so, yeah. So what I mean by that is mental activity, when there are all these competing demands that you're, you know, you're just having to chase after, you're not, you don't really have the capacity or opportunity to quiet your mind and think you're just reacting to external stimuli. You're making decisions not based on what's inside of you or a knowingness or your that gut feeling, which we all have. You're making decisions based on the news or what somebody else said or, um, you know, competing demands of other people or your fears, uh, your worries. You're making decisions based in things that have happened in the past, which are all irrelevant to what you can create in the future. When you're thinking, you're not reacting to all of this external stimuli. You're teaching yourself, you're taking extreme responsibility for your leadership by leading yourself through responding to situations instead of reacting. And that 
takes practice. That is where you really learn to tap into your your talents, your imagination, your intuition, your ability to reason, your will, your memory, your perception. Those are your mental faculties. And when you make those your point of support, you're no longer moving laterally. You're no longer being the plaything for external circumstances that are beyond your control. You're in control of you and you're leading yourself. Yeah. No, again, I, I absolutely love that. You know, I've, I, I've talked like, you know, uh, helping people with communications and made the point that, you know, listening doesn't equal hearing and, and talking doesn't equal communication. Uh, but, but I had, I'd never heard that before, but it makes so much sense. And, and I love the way you explained that there, cause it is a hundred percent true, especially in, in a social media era, right? We, we have all yeah. of this information and stimuli that are, are pounding our brains on a constant basis. And, yeah, that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't equal uh, equal thinking. That just means our brains are churning and and a lot of times spinning in place, right? Yeah, and you know when you're focused on external stimuli or something negative that's happened or something that you're afraid might happen, you're not opening your mind. Your brain can't process that as well as focus on opportunities that are out there. It's it's not possible. You can't focus in those two directions at the same time. So you really have to learn. And I learned how to do this. I mean, I was coached through this. It's, I can tell you this and you can go, oh yeah, that makes sense. But knowing it and doing it are two different things. And for many, you had mentioned habits. There's a knowing doing gap. We can know this and, and that's why facilitating a class is helpful if the repetition at, can, is there to keep it going so you can gain momentum. But knowing, we think about all of the things we know. We are cramming our brains full of, you know, degrees and certifications. And I'm not saying those things aren't important because you need the requisite skills to do the things that you want to do. But think about how many people out there you know who are still getting ready. They're getting ready. They're not... They're not taking action. They need to know more. We know a lot. If we can tap into our inner wisdom and we can tap into and and know when we can tap into the strengths of other people to leverage those strengths and talents and, and we can move a lot farther faster. But if we're still getting ready, getting ready to get ready, and we're still focusing our attention on these external circumstances or things that have happened in the past, then we're not opening ourselves up to what's possible. Yeah. No. And, and, uh, again, I love what you're saying there is, um, I like to inject history as much as possible whenever I'm, I'm trying to drive these points home because I, you know, I truly believe we're, we're not solving any new problems. Yeah. We, we've solved all these problems before. We just forget that we've solved them or, or we're not aware that the solution is out there. And once you start pointing people to some of these examples, you know, you start seeing that light bulb go off like, well, we knew this 200 years ago. Why are we still having this issue? But, you know, what you just said there, it reminded me of the, you know, kind of the 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 story, the juxtaposition, if you will, between uh, General McClellan and General Grant in the Civil War. Right. General McClellan was that guy. He was he was we were going to march. We're going to have the best order. We're going to have the best uniforms. We're going to keep getting ready. We're going to keep getting better. But we're not going to execute. We're not going to do anything. And then here comes uh, 
you know, Lincoln finally has enough of that and, you know, has the famous quote, uh, you know, you mind if I borrow the army for a while? And he turns it over to Grant and Grant turns that into execution. And then the war comes to an end fairly quickly after that. But what gets people in in your experiences, what gets people kind of stuck in that I'm going to prepare, I'm going to prepare, I'm going to prepare yeah. and not execute mindset? Really, the underlying reason, and it could be a multitude of just wanting to be perfect, wanting to have the right answer. It, what What's underlying all of that is fear, mm-hmm. you know, fear of failing fear of looking bad fear of making the wrong decision fear of not being able to recover you know fear of losing their job or their position um it's fear that really is underlying all of that and you know when we're stuck in fear it's it's not even possible to come up with creative solutions because we're always even if we're not even consciously aware of it, we can feel that fear in our bodies. It impacts our health. That's why a lot of people are kind of in burnout mode right now. Um, They're just working harder instead of just stopping and pausing and thinking. They're, They're getting ready to get ready but they're not moving anywhere. They're moving laterally and we can fool ourselves into thinking we're getting things done because we're moving. We're not moving forward or we're making little incremental steps. But if we're really honest with ourselves when we're stuck in fear and, you know, and this was another conversation that I was having today. Um, things don't have to be perfect. And, when you're setting a, a big worthy goal, something that's not incremental in nature, you are not going to see all of the steps you need to take to get there. And if you do, then you're playing small. If you can see all of the steps you need to get and to arrive at your dream, yeah. if you can see them all, you're playing small, you're actually moving laterally. And so when you learn, and this was a big thing for me, I learned to set goals that were you know, massive in my mind. And I didn't know all of the steps to get there, but I would make myself a priority every single day and tap into my my thinking mechanisms and, and I would meditate or visualize what I wanted. And then I would learn to take inspired action, but I would be inspired to take one step And once I arrived at that step, then I would see the next step. And I think it was Martin Luther King who talked about, you know, if you're walking down a flight of stairs in the darkness, you don't see all of the stairs in the staircase, but you trust that next step is going to be there. And so that's the fear that we need to kind of step over that threshold and, and know that when we get there, we'll be inspired to take that next step or to tap into the talents of this other person that we we're, we might not even be aware of right now. Yeah. No, again, that is, that is solid gold. It reminded me, uh, I can't remember who said it, but, but I heard somebody say one time, uh, you have to be wildly unrealistic about your goals, but you have to be wildly reali- realistic about how to get there. Um, and, and, you know, that was kind of the point is, is, you know, think big, think, yeah. think, uh, you know, outlandish. And, and, but when it comes time to get there, you've got to be realistic about how you can get from here to there. 
And then it reminds me of, uh, you know, a story, and I've shared this on here a couple of times, but uh, Gene Kranz, um, I heard him interviewed one time and, and somebody asked him, said, what was the biggest failure of NASA? And he, you know, they were expecting him to talk about, you know, the, the Apollo one mission. They were expecting him to talk about some of these disasters. And he said, uh, landing on the moon. And the person kind of looked at him, obviously a little, uh, you know, taken back because, you know, this was a national success. We still talk about landing on the moon today. He goes, he goes, it wasn't so much landing on the moon. It was the fact that we had put all of our time and effort and money into this one thing. And we never thought about what was next. We landed on the moon. We won. As soon as we set foot on the moon, funding started drying up for research, for pushing stuff. He goes, if we had said, we're getting ready to land on the moon, how do we get to Mars? We would have already been there by now. But we never took that next step with our expectations. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about here, right? Yeah. It, you know, and I've heard it said, too, nothing is either created or destroyed. And you kind of alluded to this earlier is... You know, everything that ever was and will be exists now. Yeah. You know, nothing new is being created. It's all here. So like you think about the technology for a cell phone. It's always been here, but it's when we had the desire and the need and we decided this is what we wanted. The pieces of it came together, not all from one person, but it's people, you know, making the decision. This is what I want. This is what I'm creating. And then the pieces came together. So you don't know when you make a decision to reach a, a really big, fabulous, audacious goal, you don't know how you're going to get there. Um, but the resources to help you get there can come from anywhere. And we shut ourselves off. We choke ourselves off to what's possible because we don't even allow ourselves to dream a lot of the times. And that's what I find when I talk to a lot of people, they won't even allow themselves, they don't give themselves permission to dream. They have to, if they don't see it in front of their face right now and they don't see how they're gonna get there, they they shut themselves off. And again, that just keeps them in the rat race. Yeah, yeah. No, that is, uh, that, that permission piece, I, I love that and it's, you're right. And it goes back to that that piece that you kind of talked about earlier uh, with bringing in that that cognitive diversity, that diversity of thought mm -hmm. and bringing people on the team and, and, you know, asking people that you normally wouldn't ask how to solve a solution or how to solve a problem, how to solve the problem. Uh, you know, I, I tell people all the time, it's like, you know, some of the most underutilized people you have in your organization are, you know, your your administrative folks or your janitors, because if nothing else, they're going to be able to give you a perspective of a consumer that, that you're not going to have. Bring them into the decision making process. They may have that outlandish thing that that breaks that log jam. And so, you know, again, I, I love I love that you push that because I think that is I think that's. If I had to pick one resource that every organization has right now that they're not using, it is cognitive diversity. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, because we're brought up in a culture where we value hard work and being independent and doing it ourselves. But I'm telling you, it, it takes a stronger leader to kind of relinquish that control and trust in their people and and share in 
in the collective wisdom, really. It, it takes a lot of trust. Um, it's not easy. It's, it's not easy. It, you know, then again, we talked about that fear. There's that fear of, you know, not being needed or fear, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole slew of other reasons why people hang on to, to roles and jobs and positions and programs that they shouldn't be hanging on to. They should be delegating it or empowering other people to lead, but you know, they don't want to be, well, who would I be if I didn't do that? You know, it, it kind of taps into their self-identity. Right. But you have to be willing to dream about, well, who would I be if I didn't have this? Well, yeah. No, and, and I think that's a great segue into something else that you talk about here that uh, I really want to touch on before we uh, get done with our conversation today is, you know, a lot of that fear stems from that that imposter syndrome piece that so many people struggle with. And, you know, we, we served relatively the same, uh, time frame. Um, and, you know, I know that, that, that was, that, that's the thing that a lot of leaders deal with, both male and female. But we also know that disproportionately, uh, women deal with imposter syndrome, mainly because the environment that they're put in to make them feel like they're, they're an imposter. Mm -hmm. Uh, but how can people get past that piece of, of, thinking that, you know, hey, I don't belong here. And, and if I go reach out to other folks, it's going to just prove that I'm an imposter and didn't belong here in the first place. Mm. It, you know, first and foremost, and it goes back to learning how to lead yourself and use those mental faculties as opposed to allowing other people to influence how you feel about yourself. So you have to build that rock solid self-image yourself. And then you need to attract people who, who align to that and build each other up. Don't go out, don't go for it alone. And that's why I always say, you know, build a mastermind or have a coach work with you on this. So you're not doing it alone, but so building a, a healthy self-image, getting a clear image in your mind of where you want to be, what are you doing, how are you serving, and then what does a person who's doing those things feel like, act like, dress like. Start becoming that person now, building that rock-solid image. I'm telling you, you know, energy is, we can feel energy from other people. When somebody isn't feeling confident, even if they don't say a word, we can feel it. If somebody walks into the office and they're just in a stinky mood, we don't want to be around them. We can feel it. Right. When somebody feels confident and they're gregarious, they're like a magnet. So it's really about instilling that confidence within yourself, thinking and teaching yourself to respond instead of having those knee-jerk knee reactions. When you start building your confidence, and again, I, I can't stress it enough. I mean, I'm so glad that I worked with a coach. That was life-changing for me. I couldn't have done it by myself. I was successful, you know, but I, I just, but inside I felt miserable. So when you have a rock-solid image, when you build that image, you'll find that people will respond to the energy that you're projecting out there differently. And a lot of times we, it's, I'm thinking of the, I'm not who 
I'm not who you think I am. I'm not who I think I am. I am who I think you think I am. So we <laughs> we have these false narratives. You know, we don't know what other people think of us, really. Right. And really, it has no bearing on how how we should feel about ourselves anyway. It's none of our business what they think. So isn't it better if we can build a rock solid self-image ourselves and then exude that? That's where I would start with people. Oh, so no, I love where you, that, that last piece there, because uh, uh, did, did you ever watch the, the TV show, The Office? Yes. Okay. So you, if you remember when, uh, when Michael left and they had the, the kind of the guest supervisors, and they had, uh, uh, what was his name? Robert California. Okay. Uh, <laughs> did, do you remember the winners and losers list? Oh, I don't remember that one. I'm going to have to oh. Google it. Yeah. So, uh, you, but it's, it's a lot of what you were just saying there. So, you know, he was there and, you know, he was evaluating the staff and he had created this list and it was just two columns. One was uh, labeled winners and the other was labeled losers. And somebody found it. I don't remember who it was. And, you know, it, it created all this turmoil in the office because it's like, oh, why is such and such a winner? And why am I considered a loser and all that? And, you know, uh, towards the end of the, that episode, you know, he kind of found out that, uh, you know, the, the staff had found the list and, and he said something. And again, for a show like the office, there's a lot of great leadership lessons in that show. If, if people really pay attention to it, but I thought this was great because he starts talking about the list, right? He goes, look, he goes, what does it matter where I put your name on this list? He goes, this is just my perception. He goes, if I put your name on the winner's column, your job is to just prove me right. If I put your name in the loser's column, your job is just prove me wrong. It's that simple, you know? And, and, and I, I'm like, that is, that is brilliant because you're right. We give way too much credit to what other people think about who we are versus who we should know we are. Right. Oh yeah. We are handing over our power. Yeah. Really? Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. And you, you talked about that in just the uh, past couple episodes on, on your podcast, right? The, the mm -hmm. extreme responsibility. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> See, I did listen. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Thank you. Well, yeah, because I, you know, we all can fall into this trap of allowing a circumstance to impact our mood. And that was what the episode was about. I was in a, a session and somebody was facilitating and somebody else's mood was infectious. And then I started feeling kind of crappy. And then I just said, I, I don't like how I'm showing up. I just, you know, after a day, I, I'm like, I'm done. I'm responsible for co-creating the space, whether or not I say a word. Yeah. And so what am I going to do about it? And taking responsibility for myself, my learning shifted everything. And I think we need to do more of that. And that's really what I mean about leadership of self. And it takes, you know, it takes courage to do that. It, it really, really does. And, and uh, yeah, I go back. One of my very first guests on this uh, podcast was uh, Colonel Lee Ellis. I'm not sure if, uh, if your leadership dealings, you ever had a chance to listen to him talk, but uh, uh, he was a, a prisoner at the Hanoi Hilton. And uh, he talks about that being the staple, the the stoic philosophy, you know, mm -hmm. uh, self-leadership. That's all you can control is yourself. You can't control what other people think about you. You can't control no matter what you do. You can't control how they view you, how they think about you. You can try, mm -hmm. but all you can control is you and how you feel about yourself. And once you really accept that piece of it, um, it's, it's freeing, you know, and, and the kind of the, the gist of, of the story of the prisoners, of the Hanoi Hilton 
uh, is that mindset of, of self-leadership, of, of taking care of yourself first, not in a, well, yeah, I guess it is a selfish way, but in, in a good form of the word selfish, mm-hmm. was the difference with those folks uh, not suffering catastrophic PTSD rates for what they went through. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's how powerful that is. And that's, you know, when I'm talking about that in organizations, I'm like, look, if this stuff can work in a place like the Hanoi Hilton, you can't tell me that this can't work in your mailroom. Yeah. 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 You know, nobody can tell you what to think. Nobody makes you feel bad. You, I mean, somebody can, you know, hurt you or say something hurtful, but then you decide are you going to carry that baggage as yours? Right. And what, you know, what are you going to do from there? So it's, um, nobody can control your thinking about the situation. The situation might've happened, you know, um, something hurtful might've been said, you know, for example, but you're ultimately responsible for how you react or respond to that. And the thoughts that you choose to get emotionally involved in. Yes. And, and I think if I, if I look at an example uh, for, for folks, uh, Tim Tebow comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Like there was a specific story with Tim Tebow. And for those of you who aren't into sports, Tim Tebow was a great college quarterback, made it to the NFL. He actually had a decent career when you look at wins and losses, but he wasn't like the traditional quarterback. And uh, there was a linebacker for the Bears, Brian Erlacher. He was trying to make fun of Tim. He said, you know, I think Tim Tebow is one of the best, uh, maybe one of the best running backs in the NFL right now. You know, this is a quarterback and he's saying, I think he's one of the best running backs. And, you know, I guess he was expecting to get some kind of rise out of him, whatever. But all Tim says was, you know, coming from a great player like Brian Urlacher, that's a great compliment. Mm. And that was it. (laughs) You know, what, what can Brian say after that? Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's like you don't put energy on it. And, you know, when we're putting energy on things that we're perceiving as uh, negative or, you know, something that somebody says, something on the news, something that happened in the past, guess where we're not putting our energy? We're not putting it in growth. We're not putting it in creation, collaboration. I love it healing well-being so true so true well laura we've been chatting here for about 45 minutes and and i don't know about you but i've had a blast this this time has just absolutely flown by it Uh, has thank you so much (laughs) it's it's been great i'm just kind of curious i know we covered a lot of topics but is there anything we didn't get a chance to cover that you want to leave the listeners with before we get out of here i feel like we pretty much covered everything um but i do want to reiterate don't do it alone you know, we talk about leaders. It's not that they're do- they're not leading alone. <clears throat> they're getting support from other people, from colleagues. They're being coached. We none of us have all of the answers. I'm a coach. I have a coach. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, don't go it alone. Get the support that you need. Yes. No, I love that. And that is true. And, and, and yeah, and, and I'll, I'll just add to that multiple coaches, right? There's, we, yeah. we need coaches for different sections uh, of our lives for different things. And uh, I love that. I love that piece of advice there. So, so Laura, people want to find out more about you, what you do, how they can hire you as a coach, uh, find out more about your podcast, all that great stuff. 
what is a great place for them to go get that information? Yeah, if you just go to my website, stretchintosuccess.com, um, in the little top part of our browser of the website, you, you'll find my podcast there. That's also, um, you can find that on ratracereboot.com. Through either one of those sites, you can send me a message. I'll get that. You can also book a call with me um, if you want to have a just a brief consultation, and that's free. And we can see, you know, what are, what your needs are, um, coaching, or if you want some support with your team. Um, I'll put on my organizational development hat, and we can go that route as well. Uh, and yeah, just let's have a conversation and see what your needs are, and I'd be happy to point you in the right direction. Yeah. And, and listeners, I highly recommend that you do that. I'll get all that stuff in the show notes. So it's just a, a, a click of a link away, but definitely check out the podcast. There's a lot of good stuff. Laura shared a lot of great information on there, and it's something that you need to add to your your daily arsenal. I mean, uh, I'm a big fan of, of people developing uh, podcast lists uh, and, and, and just having those things on play, whether it's mine or whether it's a, you know another guest. There, there's there's nothing proprietary necessarily about the information that we share. That's why we put it out there in the podcast. I want you to go listen to Laura's show. I want you to go listen to John Rennie's show. I want you to listen to all these great shows and, and you know, use this. It's another way to have us accessible as coaches in your life is, is through the, the content that we put out. So definitely do that. Uh, Laura, this has been a fantastic conversation. I've loved everything that we've talked about. I've, I've loved all of your insight and everything that you've shared uh, with me and my listeners. I just want to say thank you very much for having this conversation with us and being an outstanding guest on the Responsible Leadership Podcast. Oh, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Well, all right, folks, there you have it. Another great show about responsible leadership. I really appreciate you listening. And if you have any feedback for me, please reach out at earl at leadershipphalanx.com. That's E-A-R-L at leadership, P-H-A-L-A-N-X dot com. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing, and sharing the show so these messages can spread further and make a bigger impact. With that, I look forward to speaking with you again in the next episode. Sarah Talk Solutions. Ladies and gentlemen, you've tuned into a bit of a different type of show. I'm Sarah B and I'm your host. You can find me on my IG which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. I talk about amazing relevant conversations and topics and what functions that goes on in this magical, wonderful, wonderful city of the city of angels. My IG which is Aussie underscore Sarah underscore LA. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Cast Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music.